0: so even though that sounds crazy i like to be on time but late (laughs) but um for those that are you know first timers on the call my name is chelsea johnson um you'll also see me on social media with the last name muir i'm a recent uh i recently got married um but that being said i just want to thank you guys for being here this actually uh is something next week will be four months that we've been doing it's just a group of coaches you know, together, talking about faith, and talking about what servant leadership looks like in our walks, and, you know, the conversation takes organically from there, so I'm so thankful uh, to have Coach Cook on, you know, most people ask the question, so I'll go ahead and answer for you, for anybody that comes on, you know, why did you ask me? Why did you choose me? Um, And the biggest thing is, you know, we know social media, and we know what we post, but we also understand authenticity, so it's one thing to say, but it's another thing to do, and, you know, to talk to you, and you know, understand your walk and where you come from and to hear your excitement already. I already know that you were the one that God asked to do this today. And so coach cook, I thank you for your time in advance. And I thank you. Cause I already know you're going to drop some nuggets, um, for us today. So everybody coach cook, uh, from the university of Akron tight ends coach, he's going to be on here ready to talk about server leadership and whatever else God laid on your heart. Thank you for being here.
1: No problem. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you guys for having me on. Um, you know, I think usually usually when I've done, I've done a lot of different Zoom, um, you know, whether it's on recruiting, whether it's player development and player relationships. Uh, I've done a lot of different uh, Zooms over the last couple of months. And uh, this one is a lot different, obviously. Um, you know, I think this one allows me to be a little bit more, you know, myself, uh, you know, and I've always been myself. But this one allows me just to talk a little bit more freely and, and unscripted. So uh typically I built the PowerPoint I have a presentation that I've given. And you know, for this one, I think I wrote jotted down some notes, but you know, I'm just gonna talk. You know, I think that's that's how I wanna be. I wanna talk. This is not a presentation by any means. So uh, that's not how I how I meant to script it out. Um just a little bit about me. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a country boy. I'm from uh Wingate, North Carolina. Um, you know, not not far from Charlotte, not far from the uh, you know, I'm from Union County. Uh, and I grew up, you know, I grew up right out right outside of Charlotte, actually born in Charlotte and moved to, um, you know, moved to Union County uh, early, early elementary school. And, um, you know, one of the best parts about being a country boy is I got to do a lot of country boy things. And one of the country boy things that I got to do and was able to do was uh, spend time and grow up, grow up with my grandfather. And and I think that's one of the biggest things that's got that's gotten me to where to where I am now. Um, you know, my grandfather was a was a pastor for thirty seven years at uh, Liberty Hill Baptist Church in Waxahachie, North Carolina. Um, and uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with him growing up, and you know, watching him, I think is where I got a lot of my ways from. And if anybody knows anything about being a pastor or having a pastor in your family, servant leadership is number one to them. Uh, they often give themselves up um, well before, you know, they, they look at the congregation well before they look at themselves. Uh, they look at the community well before they look at themselves. And I think that's that's exactly who he is and who he was. He passed away in 2006. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, he's one of my, my best friends uh, to the fact of I have his picture and face tattooed on me. You know, I mean, he's my guy. You know, he'll always be my guy. And um, you know, I just think that's that's kind of where my foundation and background comes from is from him. Uh, a lot of people in my family joke and say I'm just like him, uh, but that's who I watched growing up. You know, and that's kind of where I built a lot of my a lot of my ways. But you know, I know we want to talk about faith and and servant leadership, and you know, this is this will be kind of how I how I look at it. And I guess from a scriptural standpoint, you know, I, I pulled two that kind of. They kind of have the same kind of guidelines a little bit, and they kind of have a little bit of the same meaning, but they're they're from two different, um, you know, two different books in the Bible. And the first one is from Proverbs, uh, and it's Proverbs three, uh, verse five and six. I'm sure everybody's familiar, you know, with that. And that's trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on th- not lean not unto thine own understanding, and in always acknowledge Him and he shall direct thy paths. Um, You know, and then the other one is going into Hebrews, verse one, and then verse six. And verse one is now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. And then verse six says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And if you you listen to, to those verses, they both have a lot of similarities to it and the similarity to both of them is one if you believe and you trust in all in in all the ways you acknowledge him he's going to direct your path one and then without faith it's impossible to please him and you know he'll be a rewarder to those that diligently seek him and all of those things go back to faith and when i when i when the word faith comes to me two words come up and that's Trusting and believing; those are the two. Those are the two things. When you say faith, give me your definition of faith. I'm gonna say trust and believe. And you know, I I I, I tweeted this out like a while back, and and my tweet said, "We trust pilot airplane pilots more than we trust God." You know, we we will get on an airplane. We have no idea who that person is at the front. We have no idea what they did the night before. We have no earthly idea who that person is. Matter of fact, when we get on, sometimes the door is shut and we don't even know who's up there. You know, we have no clue, but guess what? We sit in that seat, we strap on the seatbelt and we take off and we have no clue what's in front of us. And that's no different than your faith in God. You just sit down, put on your seatbelt and trust that what he said he's going to do, what he said he'll do, he's going to do it. And that's kind of how we've got to look at you know, look at faith. Um, you know, for me just in my coaching background, and that's kind of where I want to stick to is how my faith has allowed me to get to where I am today. Um, you know, before I got into coaching, you know, I played football in the arena football league, played my college ball, uh, where coach Wilkinson is right now at UT Chattanooga, I coach there, you know, he's sitting in my old office. So that, that's cool to see that, but you know, um, You know, my faith began well before then. And it began back when I was in Kansas City, Missouri, playing in the Arena Football League. And uh, the collective bargaining agreement had just ended with the Arena Football League. And, you know, it was either me move on and continue to try to play and figure it out, or was it going to be time for me to move into the professional world? And I decided to move into the professional world. But I knew that leaving football I had to go back to North Carolina in order to get that done because it was going to be a true it was gonna be a lot easier for me to set set my foundation of where I wanted to go in my career if I moved back to North Carolina and my faith was tested there a little bit because my wife at the time we were just dating she was still in Kansas City and I told her that you know the only way I was going to be able to make it for us is I felt like I had to go back to North Carolina, which kind of leads me into the thing about, you know, trusting and, and following Christ and all of those things. Well, you know, the follow followers of Christ must have faith. We all know that. And it's hard to call yourself a follower of Christ if you don't have faith. That's very hard to do. You can't you can't call yourself a follower of Christ if you don't have faith. Well, by no means obviously my calling myself Christ. But having faith meant my wife trusted me enough to follow me to North Carolina. And she had faith in me to go do what I said I was going to do without a blink of an eye, which was extremely important to me. Um, But as, as I continued to get into my career, it took me completely out of football. And there are two things that I said I would always do in life. One, I'm either going to coach football, or the other one, I'm going to be in youth development. And my, my career in youth development was for five and a half years from 2010 until 2015. I served as a director of a, a Boys and Girls Club Teen Center in Raleigh, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And if anybody in here familiar with North Carolina and familiar with Raleigh area, uh, my building was on the corner of New Bern Avenue and Raleigh Boulevard, right there in Raleigh North Apartments, right in the middle of the hood. And I always knew I wanted to work with kids that needed me and when i first got there my 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 building was in a neighborhood and a building that really didn't serve teens you know it didn't really serve it really didn't give teenagers what they really needed to be successful in life so through my years there i was afforded the opportunity to design and build my own teen center and within that time of being a teen center and i'm going to get it's going to circle all back around where I was given the opportunity to build my own. I mean, my own from the ground up, what I thought my ideal Boys and Girls Club Teen Center would look like. And within that, you know, I had a lot of responsibility. Well, one of the main responsibilities of that was to give those teens in that community what they needed. All right. And we came around and I was able to build it. All right. I built the dream dream teen center in the middle of the, in the middle of Raleigh, Southeast Raleigh um, that gave teens what they wanted from a library standpoint to a restaurant, to a recording studio, to a weight room, to a beauty salon, a barber chair, where we have barbers come in and they can learn how to cut to a gym, to a games room with TVs everywhere. And I had to make a decision. All right. I don't know how many guys are familiar, but Scotty Montgomery was the offensive coordinator at Duke at the time. And I spent a lot of my time going to Duke and I spent a lot of my time coaching their football camps in the summer. And Scotty had called me one day and said, Hey, I'm in Raleigh running some errands. I want to come by and I want to see your new building. I want to look at it. And he came by and we sat, I showed him around and we sat down. After we sat down, he, um, he asked me, he said, um, he said, you know, you, I know you want to coach, you know, coach Cutcliffe, you know, it's, Said that you one of the guys that he would definitely hire one day. You know, we were talking, and he said, "But you know, one day I'm going to be a head coach, but I can't hire a boys and girls club director." Here's where Faith is getting ready to come in. So I kind of look at him, and he said, "I would hire you, but the day I become a head coach, that new AD, they're not going to look. They're going to look at me funny if one of my staff members is a director of a boys and girls club." And he said, so if you're going to, if you want to really get into college coaching, you're going to have to make some decisions and understand if that's what you really want to do. Well, I wanted to do it, but it was hard leaving those kids. It was hard leaving where I was. Um, it, it, w- it was really hard leaving a place that you built from the ground up and it's your baby. That was mine. Like, And I, I'll tell the director who's there right now, it's still mine. All right. That's, that's mine. That's my building. And, um, but my wife, this is where she comes into play and it's much easier to have faith when someone else has faith in you. And I think that's where she came into play. Um, she believed in me and she believed that what I was doing, it was going to all work out because me being the type of man that I am, I know I had to provide for my family. I had a son who was one. I, my, my kids are 14 months apart. So basically, I had two kids 14 months apart at that time, both in diapers. All right. So I'm getting ready to make a decision to, to kind of get out of a good situation and go and take some steps backwards to get forward. And but because she, if she wasn't on board or she didn't have faith in me, I can't sit here and say I'd be sitting in this chair in Akron, Ohio right now if it wasn't for her. Um, but again it's it's a lot easier to have faith in yourself when somebody else has faith in you. And you know just kind of fast forward and all of that, you know, the faith that the faith that I have in betting on myself and trusting and believing what what God was going to do for me and the faith that my wife had in me allowed me to move on in my career. Well, because I kind of, because I did trust what was, what was, you know, what was kind of put on me, I can say, I took a fast track in coaching and my fast track in coaching is probably a lot quicker than what a lot of coaches have done in the past. There are coaches that have been coaching for 10 plus years that have, haven't had an opportunity to coach at the FBS level yet. Well, I coach, I was a director of a boys and girls club up until 2015 In 2016. I was a quality control uh, coordinator at East Carolina. And in one year of college football, I've been a position coach since two years at the FCS. And this is my second year at FBS. And I've only, I got in this at 2016. And so in year five, basically four seasons of being a position coach, here I am already sitting at the FBS level, but there is no way without having faith in God, I would be here because if I didn't have faith, there's no way I would have made that leap or that jump and just took and just went out there and done it. I wouldn't, I I, I don't think I would have done that. Um, so, and applying the faith aspect to what we do as coaches, um, you know, I'm going to go back up to where it says, um, Faith is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, I'm a recruiter. You know, I'm a recruiter. And parents, especially what's going on with COVID-19, parents are putting faith in me to say this is where I'm going to send my kid without seeing it. You know, this is different. You know, we have kids that's getting ready to come on campus that have never stepped foot in Akron, Ohio before. We have kids committing to us that have never seen Akron, Ohio or seen what any of our facilities look like, you know, or with their own eyes. And it kind of goes back to just what this said, the evidence of things not seen. They are gonna trust and believe what I say by my word. And they're taking my word and what I'm saying. And that's exactly what we're doing we're talking about having faith and trusting in God. We're standing on his word and trusting what he's telling us that it's going to happen. And that's no different than what and who we are as coaches. And that's kind of how I, how I look at it from that, you know, from that standpoint um, in terms of a recruiting standpoint. Now in terms of managing rooms and players from a faith standpoint, your players are going to play for you if they have faith and trust in you. They will not play for you if they do not have trust in you. You are not going to play your players if you do not have trust in them. And again, without faith, it's impossible to please him. All right. We can't please our players if they don't have faith in us our players are not going to please us if we don't have faith in them it go it all goes hand in hand from a from a coaching from a coaching and managing your room standpoint um and again it's no different than what god is asking us to do to trust and stand on his word you know it's the same it's the same exact thing um so from a faith standpoint that's kind of how i have developed you know just from my journey just through coaching And my story of faith, just just through the coaching standpoint, you know, again, the people who had faith in me made it easier for me to have faith and go out and do it. That was was really big for me, is that having, that's the same thing with our players, as we're helping them grow and be good people, superior athletes, productive citizens in in society, good husbands, fathers, mothers, all of those things that we're looking to get out of it, it all starts with. Them trusting and believing in us to know that we'll help them get to where they want to be and where we want to help them get to. Um, you know, moving moving into servant leadership, and this is the one that that really sits on me uh, heavy. Um, again, back to my background, youth development. The Boys and Girls Club is what a youth serving organization. That's what they are. That's what we are at the Boys and Girls Club, and. Whoever want Matthew 20, I think it's 20, uh, 20 and 27 or 26 is whoever wants to become a great must take, must make themselves a certain servant. If you want to, if the great, the best leaders in the world are servant leaders. There nothing is above them. All right. And they aren't beneath anything. They're always going to look to serve somebody else before they're worried about themselves. Um, all coaches at all levels are servant leaders. Some are just certain ser- better servant leaders than others. Um, but the title and the role of a coach is you are a servant leader, period. The moment you get that coach tag, you are a servant leader. It's just how, how good of a servant leader are you going to be with that tag? Um, you know, If the only thing my players learned from me are X's and O's, I was a terrible football coach. I was a bad, bad, bad coach because I took a platform that I had and I didn't use it correctly. I I didn't use it the right way. Um, You know, in a lot of interviews that come up when we're interviewing for coaching jobs, they always ask us, why why do you coach? That's a a key question. They're going to ask about coaching philosophy. They're going to ask about teaching philosophy. They're going to ask about recruiting. They're going to ask about all those things. But the one, the one question that I, that I love to answer is, why do I coach? Um, one reason why I coach is um, coaches are the most influential people in the world. I firmly believe that. Uh, coaches reach more people, and they touch the lives of more people than most leaders and people of, of uh, supervisors and some people in management will ever touch because coaching gives you an opportunity to have a revolving door of kids constantly coming in and the time that you and the reason we're, mo, we're most influential is because typically we get them at a young age. And if you get kids at a young age and you're able to show them what a servant leader looks like at a young age, as they grow, they will kind of have a better idea of what it means to serve again. Who was I around my whole life? My grandfather. I watched him serve people. And when I, as I watched him serve people, it rubbed off on me and I just thought that's what you're supposed to do. So as coaches, we've got to understand that platform of being a servant leader is is one of the main things we we have to take that into consideration. The second thing is it gives me the ability to serve and make a difference in the lives of young people. Again, I've always said I'm either coaching or I'm in youth development, but I get to serve and be an influential piece of the puzzle in their development as young people. And then I'm able to pour into the lives of others like others have poured into me. Those are the three reasons why I coach. Um, and, and I think that I, I just take that and I, and I run with it. Um, the next, the next thing is in terms of servant leadership is a, is a new role that, uh, that I've taken this past, this past spring. And a lot of it had to do with coach Arth. um, you know, he, he's a big ad value. And, and what, what are you strong and passionate about that you can bring to the program and organization? And he's known my passion for youth development. He's known my passion for developing programs and, and different things and putting things in place to develop young people. And what he did was, he, we talked about it after the season, and we felt like here that we needed a better, you know, we needed a better uh, relationship between players and coaches, coaches and players. Uh, The relationship between coach to player, player to coach, and then player to player. You know, we felt like we needed that. And what we did was we developed um, a, a player program. And he gave me the title and responsibility of director of player development and engagement. And what it did was it allows me to now give two things that I'm passionate about, which is coaching and youth development. And I get to do it every day now. So I have my position group, and now I'm also the player development over all of the player development programs and the engagement between coaches and players. Um, and that is something that I've really, really, really embraced. Um, and it gives me, again, it gives me the opportunity to serve and give that back. Um, you know, in that role, though, I think it's, it's been really critical to make making sure that that we're putting things in those guys lives and putting it on them to make them better productive citizens in society. And you know, I think being a productive citizen in society will take you a very long way. And if that's that's the thing, you can get that out of some your young people and get those out of your players, then everything else will fall in place. I always say just be a good person. You know, if you start with just being a good person, everything else should fall in line. Because if you're a good person, then you're going to find yourself surrounding yourself around good people, okay? And then good people attract more good people, and then more good people attract people who might not be good people, and turn them into good people. So we want to create as many good people in the world as possible. Um, and, and, that's, and that's ultimately what it's about, but just some simple programs that you know, in terms of our servant leadership is, you know, one which is natural is your community service, going out and doing things and helping your community to make it better. Um, You know, I've always wanted to be the person to give, you know, people what I may have had, or maybe I didn't get that I wish I had, you know, and and pour that into them and make make a difference in that way. Um, But, you know, from a servant leadership standpoint, we, it's extremely critical for us as coaches to take on that role. And it means a lot to me, um, you know, just because of my background, you know, uh, the kids that I'm used to dealing with and the kids that I serve, I've coached high school football. Um, if, any, again, if anybody's from North Carolina and recruited the North Carolina area, uh, Weddington high school and Weddington high school is a very, 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 public slash private type high school out in the uh, rural kind of area of north carolina in Waxhaw actually uh, in weddington area and when I was spent my time there i felt like those kids didn't need me you know those kids drove cars better than the teachers i mean those kids lived in 1.5 million dollar homes those kids had i mean they had it like and i would walk through the halls and I'd be a price I'm like man i they don't need me here. I need to be on the other side of town. And that's, and that's one of the reasons why that boys and girls club job really, really, really stuck on me because I'm like, finally, not only am I working with youth that need me, I'm working in an area where I can make a difference in this whole community. I mean, I can get out and be a part of the entire community. And that, and that meant a lot to me. And I was able to, you know, able to bring that and give that back. Um, it was, it was extremely hard leaving, leaving that boys and girls club. That was, if I had to say one of the toughest decisions I've ever had to make in my life, I would say that's probably at the top, could be number one, uh, because that's something that I really, that that meant a lot to me, but I get a chance to do the same thing here at the collegiate level. Um, you know, so, I'm not sure if I gave you guys nuggets. I'm not sure, but you know, I just, that's, that's just me. You know, that's me in a nutshell. That's me just speaking to you guys kind of, you know, from, from my end of the spectrum, kind of where I'm from and kind of, you know, how I got to where I am, kind of what faith and servant leadership is to me Uh, If anybody has, you know, I don't know if you open it up for questions now or anything like that, but if there are any questions that anybody has, please, please shoot them to me.
0: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Coach, I'm sitting up here. I'm just laughing, like, and I'm telling you why, because literally I'm sitting here like did Somebody like tell him my story. Did we share just some of the same information? Because much like you, so I, I, I say raised in Tallahassee, Florida, but, you know, I think Coach Simmons, he's on here. I know he's been really busy, but we're from the country too. Gadsden County, right, right outside of it. You know, you have to tell people has to give them a landmark. So I get it. And I told you, I went to Livingstone. So I was in Salisbury. I understand all the country cities up there. But, you know, even when you first started talking and you mentioned your foundation, mine was much the same. You know, you started mentioning your grandfather. My grandpa was my dude. And I look at my mom. Uh, she's logged on here today. And anybody will tell you, well, you saw James Elliott Muse. Yes, I put the whole name out there. You see my mama waving. And you see me, it was like triplets galore, but the biggest thing is what you said, he wasn't a pastor, but he was a deacon. And you do, it sets that foundation to who you are. It almost organically, like spiritual osmosis, it, it's in you. And you know, you said, I knew what servant leadership looked like because I watched him. You know, And my brother and my sister and I, we'll talk about it all the time. We watched my grandfather plant vegetables, pack them up. We think that he's giving them to the house grabs my brother and they're going to drop it off Mm -hmm. as a young kid you're like that's work but when you get older you understand that's the lord's work and so paying attention to everything that you say and you know where you chose and youth development and being torn between you know this position and youth development but coaching you know that that's kind of where i am being in a place in a city where we do have that you know we always have those high schools where you know you have the haves and the have-nots and much like you People ask all the time, well, why don't you go here? Why don't you go there? It'll be easier. I said, those kids don't need me. I, I am where I am. I grow where I'm planted because these 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 students, they need us. These young athletes, they need us. So hearing you talk and for you to say, I don't know if I dropped nuggets, I don't, you did. I'm going to confirm that for you. And I'm going to be quiet to open the floor. But it's just amazing how God ordains and he works everything out. And everybody told me I was gonna be in for a treat, but when I tell you, you have mentioned so many things that align with you know my life, my upbringing, and I, I I'm gonna be quiet right now because you you did an amazing job and I appreciate that. So I'll go ahead and open the floor for those that are new with family, you know, just take a, your mute off and and go ahead and, and shoot the questions at Coach.
1: Big Hub, I see you in there, man. You just missed it, man. You just logged on. You late, big dog. I just got out of a work zone, and I was sitting there itching because they checked talking to the dog all along. I'm like, man, i am tried to get you before. But I I'm glad you. I was able to catch I you I anyway, man. I got you. Now, if anybody have any questions, I'm open. Well, if anybody got no questions, go ahead and do it hey, over again. That oh. I didn't Oh, oh, hold on! Somebody got it. no. Go ahead, go ahead. Somebody got a question.
0: <laughs> hey, Coach. Thank you for sharing your story. What are some of your top priorities going into the next year for your new development program, the, the new position that you have?
1: You, you know, the the best thing about it is we've started it already. You know, so we had we've had a chance to start it already. Uh, what we what we what we built was uh, we built two things. Uh, one, we have built um, our the whole model of the player development program. And then we've built our new kind of player-led, player leadership group, and that's our AFPA. And that's probably going to be one of the biggest ones. And what we did when well, AFPA is the Akron Football Players Association, and we built it around the model of the NFLPA. And what we wanted to do was give those guys some ownership and have those guys have a stake in the game. You know, we, we've, we all know as coaches the best Teams are player led teams, not coach led teams. And we wanted to build better coach, I'm mean, sorry, better player leaders instead of us always having to be the ones to drive things home. And uh, the AFPA basically, what we did was we allowed players, each position group has a rep. We have a position group rep and then one non scholarship walk on rep who represents the walk ons. And the, player, the players in each position group, they voted to, for the player rep. So each position group has one person that is responsible for communicating. Well, I am the commissioner of the AFPA. So I am the one who, if they have things that they need to discuss and talk to or talk about, they meet with me and bring it to me. And the biggest, the best part about this is, is Coach Arth, our head coach, did not want to be a part of it. He felt like because if he was a part of it, he would we wouldn't get the same type of kickback and feedback that he needs to hear if he's sitting in the room. And he knows that those guys trust me and they'll, they'll open up like a book to me. And he knows that if it's something he needs to know about, I'll tell him. And he trusts me to know if it's something he don't need to know about, I'm not telling him, you know, because I'm a firm believer in keeping as much stuff off the head coach's desk as possible. Um, if, if we have to take everything to him, he doesn't need us. You know, and that's 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 kind of how I am and what I believe in as a, as a position coach and an assistant coach make his life easier. And I think if I could take that off of his plate just from the AFL A I mean, AFPA uh, player rep guy, you know, I could take a lot of stuff off of his plate. And uh, what we've done is those guys have had a lot of uh, ownership and our return to play protocol. Those guys, the AFPA, met as a group. And they built a contract, basically, where if you're not wearing your mask and forget your political views and beliefs and what you feel about it, that they said, scratch all of that. We're trying to get back to the field, okay? So if you're out, you got to go to Walmart and you're out in a mask without a mask on or we catch you out at a bar or something like that, at any point, we're removing you as an AFPA from the workout group because you're not apart, you know, so, so they've now started to take some ownership. So the AFPA is a new one that I think that's really going to help us um, this offseason, season. Some things we've done is building the total package player. Uh, and that's not just the superior athlete, the total, total package player is a good person, a superior athlete as well as a productive citizen in society. And what that does for us is we've built some programs into where uh, these guys now, we've had a financial literacy guy come in and talk uh, about the importance of credit. Um, You know, we've had a guy come in talking about budgeting. We've had a guy come, he came in and talked about all of those things because if I go back and think about it, man, I'll be honest. I didn't have those conversations when I was growing up, but we have freshmen in college right now who have just had a whole discussion on how you use a credit card uh, budgeting, you know, just your scholarship check, how you need to divvy it up, understanding that, you know, don't don't let anybody, don't co-sign for anybody, no matter who they are. I don't give a shit your aunties, mama, whoever, don't co-sign. You know, just kind of giving them those nuggets that they may have never had. So a lot of our things that we're doing from a player development side have nothing to do with football. We do enough football. We're it's time to do things that have nothing to do with football. So that's kind of where we're going with that program. Is structuring it more to do th- with things that have nothing whatsoever to do with football, Coach. I think that's amazing, and I
0: think, uh, wait, Coach, Coach Simmons, you was about to say something. I missed you. You can go if you're about to go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I missed you guys too. I tell you what, man, last week was a whirlwind. I got I'm trying to hire a coach. Coach couldn't know how I did trying to hire a coach doing interviews all week long, but yeah, man. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a whirlwind, but I'm glad to be back with you guys. Coach I man, I I'm speechless, brother, because I mean I've never heard a position coach talk about doing things like that. You know, usually it's us as head coaches trying to to implement programs to to develop our young men outside of football and it's so time consuming. You know, there's so much that goes into it trying to, you know, get these relationships developed and get these speakers to come and talk to the guys and set aside time to do so and, and you're trying to run a whole program. So the fact that you as, a, as an assistant coach just took the lead on that and took it off the head coach's plate, man, it, it's a true definition of serving leadership. I mean, it, it's so profound because that's what it's all about. You know, you've taken something that's not in your job description and you've done it, at, you know, to serve the young men that, that that you guys coach every day. And many of those guys aren't in your position. So for you to be able to put that together is really just, a, again, a true just a. a Example of God using you for great things, and so I'm just I'm sitting there looking at my assistant coaches now in the back, of my mind like, well, why, why none of y'all are taking this off my plate? Because <laughs> I've been I've been trying to get this going in Tallahassee for you know, two years now, and it's tough just because of everything that goes into it. And if people haven't if if, if people never done it before, um, it's a full time you know gig trying to trying to get these programs put in place. And so I, I commend you just taking the lead on that. You know, obviously your background with dealing with young men and experiences has really helped you with that. But man, I, I would say, you know, that your, your your message needs to be spread throughout, you know, college football, because I think that's the month, that's the most underserved uh, aspect of what these guys go through is the developmental piece as far as financial literacy, you know, dealing with things off the field, really preparing them for life after football. We all say it, but what are we really doing program wise to, to, to help those guys grow. And so I think that's something that every every program needs. And to have someone like yourself take the lead on that, man, it, just, it, it really makes my heart smile because you're the first assistant coach that I've ever heard talk about that kind of stuff. So, man, kudos to you, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, God bless you. I appreciate it, Coach. Coach Cook, uh,
3: this is Coach Bond. I was uh, talking to you a little bit on the West Coast. Uh, Zoom clinics the other day, and like I said, I've been watching you from afar, so definitely appreciate the work you're doing, um, and, and congratulations on the the fellowship that you just got with the Browns as well. Um, I love I love your story. I love what you're doing. Um, my question for you is is uh, I, I'm one of those people I have the question formulated in my brain, but then when it comes out, I don't know if I delivered it the best. So I'm sorry about that, but I was talking to my cousin, um, and he's a I was talking to him to him about the mental health groups that I do at our school. And we were kind of talking about this with Cappy Pondexter that Miss Chelsea just had on Friday, I believe. And I was telling him the groups that I do at the school. And he was telling me as a coach, one of the issues he was having with his players, his young ladies, because he's a a basketball coach is in Milwaukee where he coached that when his daylight savings time, uh, the girls, you know, it's dark when they get out of practice at like five or six. And when they leave practice, if they're not in the zone where they get public transportation, as far as like city bus or, or the yellow bus, they have to walk home, and he was saying a couple of his girls were nervous about that uh, because when they were walking home, they were worried about you know dudes trying to holler at them, and, you know possibly getting kidnapped, and and you know he said it was affecting them at, at practice because their anxiety is worried about going home instead of practicing the fundamentals and things like that. So not even literally after a week after we talked, um, Milwaukee had a case where a young lady thirteen, a young lady fifteen, uh, the community shut down a sex trafficking house. Um, they, you know, they warned the cops so many times about it. And, you know, eventually they the ones that got the house shut down and things like that. Um, and it was just like, wow, you know, it, it really was an issue. And it, he really was on to something at that point in time. But my question for you is as servant leaders and your background with Boys and Girls Club and all the work that you have done. As servant leaders, how do we uh, go about sticking up for all of our all of our kids, all of our children that are going through the different things that they are going through? Uh, especially some of the topics you touched on, but even that one, like I'm in St. Paul right now, so of course my attention is on the George Floyd situation and, and, and being an, a, an advocate for change for that. But then I see back in my hometown things are going on with that magnitude and that situation, but I didn't hear, you know, no college – none of the colleges that are in Milwaukee, Wisconsin speak up. None of the high school coaches speak up. None of the AAU programs speak up. And these young ladies could be the next coaches. We, we have young ladies be coaches at the NFL and NCAA ranks. You know, they could be the next Chelsea who's putting on – Miss Chelsea, that's putting on these, these sessions and, and things like that. And you know, nobody spoke on that. So, how do we as
1: servant leaders, you know, speak up for all the things that are going on with our children? I think the big, the biggest thing is um, what what putting together like what you want to do. How how do you want to help? You know, I don't think I think waiting on somebody is the worst thing you can do. All right, uh, if you if, don't 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 wait. You know, if it's something that you feel like first thing, I think the thing we do is I think a lot of times when we're talking about putting together programs and all like we try to make it so big. All right. Programs don't have to be big. Things that you're trying to do don't have to be big. If you and I say this because I struggled with it when I first got into it. If you help one person, you did a fantastic job and what we sometimes do think about when we're when we're in youth development we're trying to save them all and we're trying to help everybody but what you got to do is set it up to make sure the one put something together but put it together for the ones that want the help and for this situation you know i think finding whether it's some moms because for me personally uh, even when i was with the boys and girls club and i had teenage i had high school girls and the girls at my center one hundred percent knew that unless I've talked to your mom or dad unless we were going to a special event, I did not take high school girls home i didn't I didn't do it uh that was just that was just my personal way of wanting to do it, but I had staff and female staff who I could let them do it. you know, so I think that's one thing, but I think for for you, start with something that you want to do that you can control that you can make sure you have your thumb on it and put it together. I think a lot of of people waiting, waiting on somebody else to speak out. I'm not waiting on somebody else to speak out. I'm going to do what I do and whether they join or not, it's going to get done. And I think that's how you got to look at it. If it's something that you want to put together and if it's something that you want to do to help a group of kids, whether it's one, two, or three of them, put it together, something that you can handle and you can manage Because the worst thing you can do when you're putting together any type of program is start it and not finish it. Uh, Especially when you get a kid that needs that program and they get used to that program and then you take it away from them because more than likely growing up, they're used to having something and somebody taking it away from them or you not keeping your word and saying you were going to run this program and then the program stops. Now it goes back to that faith and trusting and believing that, Coach Bond said we was going to do this and now we're not doing it. So it's extremely important for you not to bite off too much than you can chew because you want to keep this program going and not and for them to understand and believe that when you say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Cuz that's the biggest thing. When you're running a program, it needs to if it's going, it needs to go and it needs to have a start, it needs to have a middle and it needs to have an end. You know, that's key needs to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. If you're any program, you gotta know at the beginning what you want out of it, some type of measurable in the middle. And then how do you want that thing to look like when it's
0: over? Coach Bond, I'm just gonna jump in here real quick as a you know women, athletes, advocate. Um, and I have a few coaches on here that have coached with me before and we actually practice the same thing, Coach Cook. We, you know, we make sure that the women coaches take care of those young lady needs. And there was even in one instance, one of my um, previous assistant coaches and friends is on the call right now. We had a young lady that was hurt. Um, and then of course, we all know how it is, especially with the population that I reach. You're taking kids home every day. Um, we actually had a FaceTime call. One coach follow him because we needed to get her home. She was hurt and, and handle that, and so I can only imagine, Coach Bond, how hard that becomes. I saw a message, in, and I see this often, about uh, staffs where there aren't um, a female coach, so I wanted to know first, does that staff have a female coach at all? I just want to start there, Coach Bond, if you can answer that.
3: I believe they have a, a, a young lady who went to the high school, you know, went on a good, do good things, she has come back, Um, in some form of a role i don't know if she's officially on staff as an assistant um but i think she is on staff in some capacity
0: so that being said that's the first thing that i'll always say some people may be totally against that um i know some staffs where that is just not the case but like coach cook said you need to make sure that there are some team moms or whatever the case may be but just some things that i would throw out to you that you know has changed over time i know it works in some programs of you know some mentors and some peers of mine and something that I, I've been advocating for within my own program is, one, um, I know we're in different areas, but is there a possibility of having a class for, you know, the women's team? And I say that not saying that the class will only just be for the girls' basketball team, but what we did at my high school, we created a a, a girls' athletic class. And so what that allowed to happen was to kind of take some of that conditioning that you would normally do in the beginning off of each coach whether it was volleyball, weightlifting, basketball, it took the conditioning part away. So when they came to you, you know, as coaches, that can take some time, especially in the beginning. So that chopped off some, some place there. Um, the other thing that I will say is when that daylight savings times comes, and even when it doesn't, that's a concern that I have. And I speak with our boys coach all the time um, that if they don't give us a class, You all need to have a class It needs to be strategically placed so that that class is the first hour of the boys practice. So after school, the boys only practice an hour, if that, because they had their hour within school, that way our practice gets bumped up early. So no matter if it's daylight savings time or whatever the time may be, our young ladies are out of there before it even begins to get dark. The other thing that I will say is even while you're trying to figure out what you want to do, and, you know, Coach Cook made some really great points, I want to ensure that communication is big um, within the program. And our young ladies know. Like, I don't have personal kids of my own, but they know, and my coaches on here know, they are our babies. And just as a parent would be upset if you don't let me know when you get home, we feel that same way. And that is a part of the conversations that we have. You need to let us know when you're getting home. Nine times out of ten is some of us doing that. I am willing and open to keep a dialogue with you, Coach Bond, so we can work some things on though. But those are some things within the school system that you can kind of work on, especially with us not knowing what the fall looks like and schedules being kind of changed. Those are some things that I would talk to your administration about because Title IX requires that those things be taken into account. Um, And I'm willing to talk offline with you about some things like that and and get some things rolling.
1: Any other any other questions?
0: Coach Knox says, great message today. We got a lot of uh, people that are kind of back in the action, so they still try to hear it here and there. Um, but if if not, I just want to make sure. I know sometimes we're kind of slow to unmute. Everybody good? All right, what I will say, uh, Coach Cook, my last uh, thing uh, that, I, that I really want to put out there is, You said it best, servant leaders, we haven't done our jobs. And I I was glad to see Coach Payne log on. And he was amazing at saying a lot of similarities to you. And that's when you know that God has truly called those who do what they do and who come on to speak because the message will continue to resound and not repeat itself, but resound. And what I want you to know is the part that I love to hear is that you don't feel that the athlete is just about the sport they play. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the biggest part about coaches. You understand that there's, it's about the holistic person. Yeah. It's about the whole entire person. And I love that because that's a lost art within our craft and within our sports ministry. Um, and hearing that you advocate for these young people and about them being productive citizens. I love to hear that because we get so focused. And I think coach Payne said it exactly like this. He said, there's, you know, A difference between a coach who, you know, like me, I'm a teacher and a coach, so my job is really an educator, but an actual person who coaches for a living, and it gets lost in the translation because people worry that the wins and losses are going to dictate my job, but I I love that back-to-back I hear from you great men of God and coaches saying that I want these young men, I know that I'm responsible, they spend just as much time with me as they do a parent, if not more. I'm responsible for them being great husbands, great fathers, you know, great men. And I appreciate that more than you probably would ever know. You know, like I told you, and like Coach Bond said and anybody else, I watched you from afar. And not only do you talk the talk, you walk the walk. And those things are, are, are just amazing to see. So I thank you personally, just for taking the time out. I know things are opening back up. I know you got a lot of things going on and when we we talked to each other, you were in your your fellowship and your conference that you had going on, but you still found it not Robert to come on. So I thank you so much. I wanna, you know, personally thank your wife for being, like you said, that was profound. And not just your wife, but your family and your friends. It's easy to have faith in yourself when others have faith in you. That's huge. And it's true. So I just wanna thank you guys so much just for giving us an hour of your time today. And I'm gonna allow you to say any closing things that you wanna say. And if you don't mind, if you can close us out with a prayer before we get offline.
1: Okay. Uh the last, you know, I think the last the last thing that that I would just say is you know, fo- football means a lot to me. You know, sports means a lot to me. I think I think that athletes are the best employees probably in the world because they have so many attributes that you're looking for. I mean, from a time management, working with others, communication, getting it done, you know, knowing what it takes to to work hard to, for a result, you know, to get the results out of it. I mean, everything that people are looking for in employees, athletes have it and it, they've typically probably had it since they were in elementary school, you know, and when they start with Pop Warner or T-ball or whatever, whatever they've started with in sports, they've had that instilled with them. And really student athletes, I think sometimes, they forget that they've probably got more work experience than some people have with degrees just because what they have been doing and it took me a while to understand that and I think it's up to us to make sure they understand that they do have that in them you know and again, again, like you just you just said, it's easier to have faith when somebody else has faith in you and when your players know that you care about them and they know that you see something in them, then you'll be surprised what you can get out of them. You know, you give me, you give me, I, I had a, um, Coach Wilt probably remembers him, he's still on here, um, kid at Chattanooga. I had six scholarship tight ends, and I had one tight end who was not on scholarship. Well, guess who started 12 games that season? The kid not on scholarship. Why? Because I made him feel like he was Rob Gronkowski. He wasn't. But because the way I treated him in practice and the way I talked to him, I gave him something that. He really may not have knew he had and I gave him some confidence that he may not have really known he had, but you know, it was up to me to get that out of him. That's my job as a coach to get the absolute most out of you uh, on the field as well as off the field. So uh, if you are coaching, you know, I I strongly encourage you to have that type of effect on your, on your players, Um, you know, have the, it's bigger than football mentality or bigger than basketball or baseball or whatever coach your sport, whatever sport you coach. Have that mentality because at the end of the day, it is. You're, you're preparing husbands, fathers, wives, uh, siblings, you know, better, better sons and daughters. You know, you your relationship with them might patch up a relationship with their mom or dad that they may be bad. You know, you have a you have a huge responsibility in being a coach. Uh it's a huge responsibility. Coaching is not a job, it's a calling. Uh youth development is not a job, it's a calling. Teaching is not a job, it's a calling everybody cannot do it. If what we did was easy, everybody would do it, you know? And I think that, I think that's important. So as long as we know that, then I think we'll be, we'll be good to go.
0: I appreciate that so much. I want you to know you you have a, you always did, but you definitely have a fan. I'm saying in public, you have a fan in me coach and I appreciate that so much. (laughs) So you you could close this out with a prayer.
1: Okay. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to come together another day. Thank you for our life, our health and strength. Thank you for allowing all the coaches that are across the world and who are on His call to continue to do what they're doing and be a you know and be a strong point for them. Um, you know, keep giving us the ability to continue to have faith, uh, serve as leaders, and do Your will in Your Son's name. We pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you again, Coach, to everybody. If you need us, I put my contact information down below. We're always here Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays um, at the 1 p.m. Eastern hour. So thank you guys so much. Coach Cook, if you ever need anything from me, all you have to do is ask. I thank you so much for your time.
1: All right, no problem. Thank you. Y'all have
0: a good one. Absolutely.